people love passionate discourse. That's right. PDA, Passionate Discourse Associates. That's what we do. What we do here is go back, 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 back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wheel Route Podcast. <clears throat> this is my legitimate conversation amongst friends and lovers about college football and lifestyle. You can find us on the internet, www.thewheelroute.com. You can send us emails, wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com. You can go to your podcast app of choice. If it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Google Pod Center, Stitcher, you can find the show there. If we're also on Instagram, at Podcast. send us a DM. My name is Logan Whitehouse. I'm on Twitter at Logan on the Dawn. Coming to you guys from dreary, gray, windy Stewart, Florida. Um, not really sure what's going on with this weather. You know, we were we were really in the thick of uh, of prime time, and it's been raining and like windy and gray for like three straight days. So I'm um, looking forward to some dry uh, candidies this weekend. I'm sure the Florida club is going to be rejoicing with a little late season, little late season rain. Get the carpet nice and lush headed into the peak season. Who else is here? My name is Jordan Shank. I am in Harrisonburg, Virginia, where temps remain in the 50s, um, which a little late November for the 50s, probably, but uh, these are unprecedented times we're living in. So there's that. Um, sure. I think today the little alert on my computer classified conditions as hazy which was accurate um that's interesting i feel like I don't know hazy usually doesn't correspond with like that temperature range though which is odd yeah i don't know what the wildfire situation is oh i heard our, our neighbors to the north or yeah elsewhere i think virginia fires were a thing bedford bedford county or something like that yeah so one of those counties canada right who could really say uh, I'm on Twitter.com at Shank Jordan, and uh, Formula One is in Las Vegas this weekend. Are I'm, you? I'm a, a little disappointed to not be there, but I am excited to see just how much of a circus it is. And uh, I heard they were having how, some some problems. Like, oh, there's not, lots of problems. Well, lots depending of problems. on who you ask. Lots of problems, but I, I heard like from a make it uh like i i think it's like even more ostentatious and like overpriced than the miami event oh, yeah. uh and like i think they're bumping into the ceiling a little bit on some of that stuff uh demand is not quite what they i think we're hoping for the uh, ultra luxury packages and such yeah so when the race got announced probably this time last year or a little later um there were some outrageous yeah. pricing packages which sure. I get what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like start high and bump it down as needed to try and find where the demand inflection point is. But um, yeah, apparently now they're just like trying to fire sale these tickets <laughs> to get people in the grandstands. Um, Jordan, so. hey, that's your home away from home. You never know. It is. You, you never know. Depending on, you know, who makes some calls, who makes some email offers. I, I could be scrambling the PJ this weekend. But <laughs> Wouldn't that be supposed we'll to? The PJ. All right. Um, 
Correct is also in Harrisonburg, Virginia. He is not with us at the moment, attending to some personal matters. Hopefully, he joins us here in a few, um, and we'll uh, we'll make sure we give him a hero's welcome uh, when he's back in. Jordan, what are you sipping on? I see some delicious looking over there. Yeah, I've got some uh, Elijah Craig rye. Beautiful. It was suggested previously that maybe we need to start drinking more regularly <laughs> to improve our picks performance. Um, I think I had a beer last week, so I'm trying to step mm. it up a notch okay. for my picks. All right. Well, I'm going to fly in the face of that this evening. Uh, an 8.30 start time, it's just it's tough. It's tough for the bedtime, you know, if I, if I get too much bourbon on the belly. So I have a raspberry bubbly here uh, that I'm going to be working on. But, you know, you never know. Maybe uh, maybe while Jason's talking about JMU for like 45 straight minutes, I'll uh, go, um, you know, injustices and things of that nature. I'll, I'll go grab some bourbon. Might need it. Yeah, go, go raid the liquor cart before we hear all about game day at JMU this week. <laughs> That's right. Game day, various um, injustices, you know, just things things of that nature. Has, has the ruling come out yet? Yes. I haven't been on Twitter. Well, okay. the NCAA denied the waiver request okay. officially, yes. Um, people are mad, rightfully so. Um, Dan Wolken is not mad and thinks that the oh. NCAA uh, – shocking that Dan Wolken would take a slightly unpopular and fuddy-duddy opinion on something. He um, – he kind of did the uh, the rule is around for a specific reason, and there's you know the NCAA shouldn't budge uh, just because JMU is good. And it's like the second half of that maybe I could understand where you're maybe I could understand where you're coming from, but like I think the global thing is like who cares? This is all just entertainment anyway. Like what are they? Right. What is the specific reason that they don't? Do you know what it is? I don't. I think I've heard in the past like oh it. It's somehow designed to protect these schools from like getting too far out over their skis, and I'm not sure I understand the logic behind that. Right. Um, I especially don't understand like, okay, if we're worried about how competitive these schools will be initially in the first two years, and we have an established track record for JMU, undefeated so far, like, right. why not make some exceptions? But like. But, Getting out of, I, I guess I just don't understand that getting out over their skis, like, <clears throat> it seems like the thing you're guarding against is a good thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, why well, maybe, would you? Maybe they're protecting the, the charter members of the Sun Belt. I mean, I could see, I could see some version of that more than, like, you know, it's good for these schools. Like, I mean, if it's just like they're joining the Sun Belt and, you know, they're just not going to be, we don't want them to be able to win it for the first couple of years. But I don't know. Again, like the idea that like we're afraid that a school coming from a division below us is going to be too good. So therefore we can't let them represent, like we can't let the best school in our, in our league represent us in a bowl is wild. Yeah, that's like, that's a, that. wild, <laughs> a wild decision. So, yeah. so I'm not 100% sure, but I think I've heard it yeah. framed in the past as it is protecting the school that is making the transition. And hmm. that takes a lot of bending over backwards. Yes. Especially in this case that we have in front of us. Um, but, you know, not my problem. I, I've got other problems with... with my college football team so exactly exactly same do so do i so do i things are things are maybe getting a little tenuous in in title town in gainesville so all right uh playoff rankings came out i think i saw that uh georgia did they move into first place georgia did move into first place 
Excellent. So that's the only thing we have to talk about here. I did see some um, percentages come out. I think Florida State has like the best chance of making the playoff, like 75% chance that they'll make it. So that makes sense. Good for the Knowles. They, they're going to coast it in here. Look who decided to join us this evening. Just kidding. Not to decide. Welcome, Jason, to the podcast. Introduce yourself. Hey, boys. My name is Jason Crick. It's good Thank to see you. Oh, crystal clear for two in a row. Jeez. <laughs> two for two. This is almost a winning streak. Uh, my name is Jason Crick. I am in the friendly city of Harrisonburg. That's right. Um, where have, have we talked about the smoke yet? Has Jordan updated everybody on the smoke? I did say hazy. Okay. I didn't know where it was coming from, though. Yeah, there's like forest fires bracketing the controlled burns, to my knowledge, uh, bracketing the valley, and the smoke's a settling. So, mm. but it's still the valley. It's still beautiful. Yeah. So, excited to join you guys. My my apologies for the tardiness. It's okay. No worries. Totally understand. Jason, we were just touching on... Actually, mate, you know, you could probably answer this. We saw that the NCAA formally replied to the Duke's um, situation. So, Jason, in like a roughly succinct way, what is the... What is the... So, uh, did you see... What's the intent of this rule? Yes, that's my question. But did you see Dan Wolken's tweet? I don't know that I did. It was, I can, it was I typical it Dan Walken, super unpopular, unpleasant opinion tweet, which was more like, which was more along the lines of like, this rule exists for a specific reason, and the NCAA was right to not budge on this because just because JMU is good. And like I was telling Jordan, I could understand the second half of that. Like I can understand the logic behind the second half of that tweet, but what okay. is the specific reason that this rule exists? Because to me, it would appear that they're protecting against something they would like to happen. So it seems to me that Dan, and I'll read Dan Walken's tweet. He said, did you read it? I did. Okay. Like out loud on the podcast so people mm-hmm. are confused. Okay. Please so read he said, it. I, I was paraphrasing. I've never really Sorry. heard a good reason why a longstanding rule like that, which is based on a very specific rationale, should be overturned just because a team was good. I certainly feel for the players, but the NCAA couldn't cave on this one. Um, right. He said, discouraging teams from moving up to FBS is good for a variety of reasons. There's a few there now that shouldn't be there, to be honest. JMU is an anomaly, but if you make an exception for them, you have to just junk the rule, and they don't want that. So, uh, Dan Walken is uh, correct here in the least amount of correct that someone can still be correct in. Um, the transition rule that he's that that we're dealing with here um, states that ordinarily, and a team moving from FCS to FBS, formerly one AA to one A, mm-hmm. uh, has to play. They declare they're jumping. Their very next season is their first transition year in which they are still FCS and play a full FCS schedule and are ineligible right. for the FCS postseason. Yeah. ODU and went through this, this a couple years ago. I feel like we walked correct. ODU through this on the podcast as well. Bobby Wilder yeah. and the boys. Yep. Their second, usually the second transition year is you play a full FBS schedule. You are still ineligible for postseason. Your third quote unquote transition year, you are fully eligible for everything. So, um, the origins so of this rule. Why are you not eligible for the postseason is the question. Yeah. Yeah. So the, or, the origins of this rule, to my knowledge, and this okay. has been, there's been so many cross streams on this, but to my knowledge, this stems from, uh, it, it, I think it's literally been referred to as the Marshall rule. Back in the mid 90s, Marshall transitioned from 1AA powerhouse to 1A team, uh, did it immediately and did so uh because and and had immediate success in significant part because 
they accepted a bunch of 1A transfers while they were still 1AA. Those transfers, if they were transferring to another 1A school, would have had to sit out a year because they were transferring down a division. They did not have to sit out a year. But then after they got ruled eligible, Marshall declared they were moving up. They're immediately eligible to play at another 1A school. Uh, they had, I believe that was the Chad Pennington era, the Randy Moss era. They went like 13-0. They mm-hmm. were monsters. Um, and So they basically a did a, they did like what every school does now. That gets a new okay. coach and tra- and transfer portals in like 40 new guys. Right. Yeah, essentially. Um, and yes. that, that was back when you had to sit. This is why the rule is. Yes, yes, yes. And, and, that's why Dan Walken is correct the least amount of correct he can be because it has good intentions because frankly he's not wrong in that there are schools in FBS right now that should not be in FCS there are schools in the transition process right now cough Sam Houston State cough that should not be transitioning to FBS because they are simply not built for it the the rules are also in place to prevent a situation like what happened at Florida A&M Florida A&M in the very early 2000s 0203 region uh, transferred. They, they were they built themselves into a a one double A power. They said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna grab at an FCS bid while we're good." They moved up to FBS. They were eligible the next year. They crossed wires on their transfer paperwork. They had a bunch of transfers they thought they were getting turned out to be ineligible because they made the jump. They had a couple injuries. Uh, they had to play as an independent because they weren't a member of a conference yet. It basically detonated their <laughs> athletics department at an athletics department that could not afford to be detonated. Florida A&M very emphatically still has not recovered from that 20 years later. So the rule has, I won't say good intent. They're not heroes, but understandable intent. The problem is there's this waiver process that like that the JMU went through. And a lot of people are saying, well, why is JMU different than everybody else? And there's a very good reason. It's because we are. And I'm not saying that because, well, we're more prepared. We are simply built different. That's not what I'm saying. Well, it sounds like what you're saying. That's fair. I'm maybe hinting at it. But the real reason is that last year in the first first year of transition, JMU is the only school to ever play a full FBS schedule in their first year of transition. Usually that is the year that everybody plays the FCS schedule. The yeah, they, they kissed the, the F- FCS we goodbye. We skipped a year entirely early. the FCS goodbye and went straight yeah. to what people normally do with year two of the transition. So the the rule wasn't, or sorry, the waiver application wasn't, hey, can you treat us differently than everybody else? The transition, or the waiver application was, hey, <laughs> we are literally a year ahead of where most people are. And there's a lot of reasons for that. One of them is COVID scholarships. We were right. already most of the way to 85 scholarships. And so that was the waiver. It was not, hey, can we skip a year? Can you change the rule for us? It was, hey, we skipped a year for and giggles because we're good enough to. Can that apply? And that's all it was. Mm. And Yeah, so we, yeah. we took a bunch of dual enrollment classes, and we would like those credits to be would, applied to our transcripts. We would love to be able to take. No. Correct. We are not permitted in 300 level classes quite yet. But I guess I just don't understand why you get punished for not punished, but it feels like you get punished for being like good when like the expectation is not that is is that you're probably not going to be good. Because, yeah, and that's what a lot of people have said is like the rule would make sense if you have like an Idaho situation where they're transferring down a division. They're going from FBS to FCS, 1A to yes. 1AA. Yes, that but, would make sense. But this is kind the of... Vandals, that's Bobby why, Pedrino's team, right? So it sounds like maybe they're yeah. trying to discourage 
they by are, fire sale risk taking correct. via transfers and scholarships yeah. and potentially they are trying like, to dissuade people from a, essentially a money grab of like oh let's let's hustle up and try to snatch some of this oh, that's rich money. that's really rich it's, that that the, i mean like this correct. whole thing is is preposterous all right and that's why so, I said like, the rule is, yeah. is 0% okay. heroic but it does have somewhat logical intentions yeah. Um, well, I think so, it was, it's more logical under the light of the time period in which it was created. Certainly. But yeah, of course. now the fact that the transfer portal right. is the Wild West and the case of immediate eligibility, yeah. um, probably time to revisit some guidelines. Certainly. And, rules. and I, I wouldn't be surprised if this, I mean, it's, it's, it's gotten enough bad publicity. You know, Bellarmine men's basketball, like won two straight conference championships in their first two years of transition from D2 to D1, couldn't go to the March Madness. There's been examples like this everywhere. It's, this would be the intent of the waiver system. Like, hey, here's an exception that's a clear exception. And everybody's saying that we applied for the waiver just because we're good. And that's not correct. We applied for the waiver because of the way we structured the transition. Happy, Happy coincidence, we're good. And we're pushing harder because we're good. Because, you know, and I'm not gonna, I wanna emphasize that I do not speak for anybody in JMU Athletics. If I had to guess, nobody in JMU Athletics is champing at the bit to go to the Birmingham Bowl or something like that. Right. But when you talk about there's, you know, if if we were to go 12-0 and and win the Sunbelt Championship game, there is probably a better than 50% chance that we get the group of five bid to the New Year's Eve six. And all of a sudden, that you're talking a three, $4 million payday for the conference, a healthy chunk of which goes to the school to say nothing of all the publicity. That all of a sudden is a hugely significant thing. Um, and the fact is, we're probably going to get a bid to the Birmingham Bowl or whatever because there's not going to be enough six-win teams, and we are right. still eligible to fill one of those slots. But this Gators, this the was Gators are helping you out there. Yep, love that, appreciate that. But this this was 99.9% about the New Year's Six, and for that to be off the table, uh, it it sucks. Um, right. But, yeah. So to to touch on Dan Walken, he's not wrong, but he's doing his level. Well, that's what best I'm saying. Like it doesn't, wrong. it doesn't seem like he's wrong, but it just seems like it's kind of one of those classic, like bad faith sort of like Correct. statements. Right. So it's okay, kind of right. like one right thing. So we're, you need to yeah, take. We're, we're, we're right. all good here. I just like, I still, we are a, we I, are I still, a nation of laws and I, I, I still find, right. yeah, I still find it to be preposterous that like all these people would not want this to happen. No, notably the Sunbelt conference and, you know, but I mean, maybe they, the maybe they do. emphatically supported. They wrote a letter yeah, the same as we did to the waiver committee and stuff like that. And we do not know, nobody knows from my knowledge publicly who was on the various committees that made these decisions. And I guess it should be noted that Jackson state also pursued a similar is Jacksonville, pers- Jacksonville, Jacksonville state. state. I apologize. Now um, I agree. Gamecocks. They are the Gamecocks. I will say, I think the Jacksonville State should have been eligible, same as us. But they were in a different situation because they are very, they very they're, publicly, they they're in they're in year two, same as we are. But they did play an FCS schedule last year, right? So they are going about it. They are only applying because they're good. They did not do what we did last year. Which hey, shoot your shot. You yeah, know? I, I got no problem with it. I think they should be eligible because I think it's a bad rule. But and if you know, if you're not going to allow this waiver to pass, then why even say there's a, the possibility of a waiver? Why even yeah, have an application? Yeah. Under what circumstances would a waiver be granted? Right, exactly. And, and the truth a, is that... It's a bad, yeah, it, it's just a bad The truth point. is that these waivers uh, existed, and this applies to the transfer portal as well, but transfer waivers and these waivers and, and all that stuff got accepted at a much higher rate um, about five years ago. 
And when the former president of the NCAA retired and Charlie Baker, former governor of Massachusetts, took his place, he was told by the people that oversee him to stop clearing waivers because they're tired of people changing schools and all this stuff moving around and all this stuff. And I, I want to emphasize for the 500th time, the NCAA is not a separate body. They are not like this cabal where they, you know, you have to play by our rules or we won't let you in. The NCAA is just the president and the athletic directors. They're the ones that make the rules. They're the ones that tell the committees how to vote. They're the ones that sit on the committees. It's right. all the athletic directors and the presidents and it's it's 100% their fault. Charlie Baker is there for the same reason Roger Goodell is in his job to go out and be the face so people can be angry at somebody. And cash checks. And cash solid checks. I so, mean, I do not feel bad for Charlie Baker at all. He knew exactly what he was getting himself into. And it's not like he's doing anything to stop it except stepping in on the UNC thing so he wouldn't get sued. But it, it, the, the NCAA is the schools. That's all it is. It's, it's ADs, the vast majority of whom are power five ADs. And they, yeah, they just tell the NCAA what to say so they can point to a bad guy. It's that simple. Anyways, it's great to see you guys tonight. <laughs> the vibes are up. Lo lo love it. All right. Um, excellent. All right. Well, let's let's get it moving. I, I don't suppose you have any similarly hot um, fiery takes on the uh, college football playoff rankings. I didn't even see what they were, but I remember not being troubled. Um I mean, I think, it's, what, I think we're just reshuffling uh, the top four. Georgia, I think Georgia, yeah, Georgia moved jumped to Ohio first. State, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're yeah. I think they're right so far. I have no problem with it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, adversity slash slight Kirby manufactures. Yeah, so this he's got to he's got to find something new. We kind of lost his ace. We at a as a podcast have been pointing to this for multiple weeks, and so right, we need to think think of something else. Well, they do. They do get to play Alabama, so he'll get to get everybody oh, worked into. Speaking a of uh, Georgia, frenzy. real quick, Go I know ahead. we're going to talk about them later. Congrats to Brock Bowers for somehow landing on the uh, <laughs> yeah. finalist list for outstanding offensive, offensive lineman. lineman. That's correct. Mm. Yeah, that was uh, that was bizarre. Mark, well, just uh, out, that, it was the, both, that, that's out. That's like outstanding lineman. Period. It could be defensive too, right? It wasn't it like yeah. two DLs, Brock Bowers. Who and hasn't even played like but seven games and uh yeah, Joe Alt, who yeah. was last seen getting absolutely blasted in the chest by that Louisville defensive tackle and like blown ten feet in the air. Um not great tape for Joe Alt that game. He's not gonna the Gruden quarterback camp show, rest in peace, is not gonna treat that uh, very well. <laughs> um just they could have the Mike the Mike Gullick Jr. offensive line show. I yeah. would watch that. Oh, I would watch that. Yeah, yeah. probably a Meadowlark show. For Might sure. have to bleep that, bleep that out so we can get a cut after we sell it. That's a really that good Mike idea. Junior. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's talk about the coaching carousel, which continues to spin and did continue to spin after we hung up with each other on Sunday evening, adding to the list. Um, most recently, we have San Diego State, Brady Hoke declaring that he is retiring. Um, so... It's very noble. Of him. It's very noble of him. Uh, they have played like a, a legendary Iowa ball style for a while, and I just don't think it's going well. That should be a better job than it is. Um, there was some talk that, that they were going to join the Pac-12 back before things really um, kind of went haywire out there. So that should be a pretty attractive job. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know. I think someone could do pretty well there. So uh, 
And then we have UCLA. I forgot that was his. I, I did genuinely forget that that's where he came from before Michigan. He was yeah. two years at San Diego State. Yeah, that's like the rare Circle like of life. return mm-hmm. kind of thing. That would be like if Dan Mullen went back to Mississippi State, you know? Who's to say? Not out of the question. <laughs> Which apparently he said was was like never say never, but um, it, it's been indicated that Dan Mullen, uh, his son, evidently is a really good golfer. And I think Dan Mullen is enjoying being golf dad right now. So shout out to him. Good for him. But I wonder if he'll get back in the game here in a few years when Shunny Boy is off in college or something like that. It's just striping it. Hard to say. More power Anyhow, to um, Mississippi State did officially come open after we after we talked to, I believe. I'm not sure if yes. that I don't I'm yep. not sure if that was official. Um, Boise State was open. UCLA, it has been mentioned and indicated and reported that uh chip kelly will be out at the end of the year i guess we're taking that to be true um i haven't seen any strong refutes of it yeah curious curious there i was a little surprised that it didn't work out better and at different times this year it seemed like it was going fine or even going well and then the wheels have kind of fallen off the bus they have never they have never recaptured the chip kelly offense if experience like he hasn't really had that really since Oregon. Like there was a brief run at the Eagles and then, you know, every uh, the, the Eagles and then UCLA, like the, it's just been kind of a little. Well, yeah, I think we had high hopes for it. I think we. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think DTR covered a multitude yeah, of sins while he was there. Which is wild to say, because it wasn't exactly like he was a Heisman candidate DTR, but, no. um, but Hey, yeah, exactly. So, um, it seems so yeah. tough. I, I, I think I said I, I was surprised that this came out. It it feels very much like what do you actually think you could be UCLA? Because you know this this year hasn't gone stellar, but also the Pac-12 is you know out of nowhere a monster this year. They finished the year ranked number twenty-one in the country last year. So like do you do you think you need to be a ten-win every year school? And oh, I'm sure so, there's most teams in the in why? these. The SEC and yeah, the Big Ten are going to tell themselves that. I mean, that's why you're going to have these teams that are kind of like second shelf, third shelf teams that are going to just cycle through coaches every two years. Because one time Michigan State caught lightning in a bottle and they made the playoff, right? You know, that's going to be the thing. Or one time TCU, the same thing happened for TCU. So, yeah, I'm I'm more curious if this turns out to to be what happens. Was this decision made because we know who we want as a replacement and we've got our ducks in a row to get that already right or is it like no we are ucla and we can improve like we don't even have a guy in our in our sights but the guy will appear yeah no that's a great question i i with enough faith i would wager that that is more of it than um we have like someone lined up a ucla man lined up to be you know the ucla head coach but i think chip kelly I mean, I think he's a notorious, like a little bit of a, a of an offbeat character. Um, I don't think he likes doing a lot of the sort of glad handing things that are required. He's not a conventional yeah, football of, coach. Exactly. Of no. college football coaches. I also think that some of the stuff that he did that was innovative is just frankly no longer innovative anymore because everybody a lot of people do that kind of th- that kind of thing. So this um, is kind of it's kind of how Rich Rodriguez got uh, got outdated in a hurry. And now he seems great again, but he disappeared. I'd like to put him on Mississippi years. State Watch, FYI. Okay. Old. 
immediately yeah. on board. Let's go. I'll sign up for that. Yeah, yeah. Why not? So, um, yeah. So do we do quickly? So the jobs that we have open currently. Oh, it should be nor- noted that Northwestern is now yes. closed. Yes, Northwestern so. did hire their interim coach after we said that they're playing for bowl eligibility this weekend, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Five, five and five with two yeah. games left. They get to play Purdue. So um, David Braun is his name. So shout out to Mr. Braun for, you know, just overcoming all of the adversity that was lumped upon him by favorite son, Pat Fitzgerald, everybody's favorite. Yeah, as, as, uh, as a middle grads, we're happy. We are, <laughs> we are thrilled for Coach Braun. Jeez, I hate. I, it's one of my things I hate the most. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So any. So I think Rich Rod would be a good and interesting fit at Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State needs a scheme guy to be their coach. Um, they've had success with that, and that's all yeah, I really yeah. have to say. Sylvester Crew might walk in through that door. That's well. about all we know about Mississippi State, if we're being honest. Well, yeah, but I just think that. Mississippi State, I I think, has a healthier understanding of where they fit in the landscape and knows that, you know, I I, I think they were really more realistic about their brand and their prospects. Yes. Yes. And like Dan Mullen being there for nine years and, you know, getting that team to be perennially ranked or on the fringes of being ranked and one year finishing in the top 10, they got they got up to number one in the country one year, um, sort of midseason like that is that was probably an awesome like cherry on top Dak Prescott fueled um you know situation and and I think but I think that they like saw that if they have some consistency and like sort of an innovator there that they can be like above average successful and occasionally well above average successful but you know they're not looking to to Jason's point win 11, 10 or 11 games every year in the SEC West I just don't think that's going to happen I mean LSU barely even does that right so yeah um, I don't suppose Boise, any, any of you guys have had any epiphanies on any former redheaded Boise state quarterbacks that may want to take that job, but I got to think there's one waiting in the wings somewhere. Uh, San Diego state. Couldn't tell you. Who's to say. Any Chip p- Kelly, maybe. Ooh, <laughs> just keep it, keep it. He's already so, out there. So Cal yeah. chip. That's right. He looks good in a visor. Kind of. Um, I, I, okay, Arkansas. So I, I don't know. That still still seems to be a little bit speculative. It would appear that Sam Pittman is likely to not be around much longer, um, and and we'll see how they finish off the season. Super embarrassing performance for them last weekend, as we mentioned. So um, things are not going great at Arkansas. They probably and they have money to spend. And Jason, I think they're your they're your SEC West team that thinks that that thinks they Bama, but but they. Yep. Uh, they don't love you like that kind of situation. A little, right? little large for the pantaloons. Yes, but hey, Jerry Jones is there, sp- spilling money all sure. over the room. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, we still have Texas A&M, Michigan State, obviously open. Yes. It's been very quiet around Michigan State. Haven't heard a peep. Um, have not heard a peep about Texas A&M either, frankly. So, any any new names boiling over on the Texas A&M front that either made you laugh or made you go hmm. No, but I was thinking like maybe Justin Puente wants to, uh, you know, get his foot in the door as a as a coordinator or an assistant. I don't think they're going to give him the big whistle, but he seemed his, very fascinated with uh, in his recruiting home. in Texas. Yeah, uh, at the end of his Virginia Tech tenure. So this is true. 
Uh, he uh, is leading a bit of an offensive resurrection at uh, Indiana. They've been playing a little bit better of late. R- between Rod Carey and uh, <laughs> and Justin Fuente, just a couple of super super likable guys who just running the offense at uh, at Indiana. Things are going well. So maybe maybe he's back in good graces, Jordan. Uh, and then we, we still have some defensive coordinator at USC conversation to be had. I would like to posit Dave Aranda for that job if he loses his current head coaching job. Okay. Uh, Penn State offensive coordinator, I don't know. That that seems to be dime a dozen uh, uh, James Franklin whipping boy situation there. So I don't know if I would want that job. But Joe Moorhead has not, it has not gone well at Akron, I think is where Joe Moorhead currently is. Correct. And it might be time for Joe Moorhead to come to come home to Penn State. Come on home. I would not hate Joe Moorhead calling plays for the Gators either. Just FYI. Okay. That's we have note. you on the record. That's yeah, good. That's good. If note. we're if we're and some of this is just to play defense against Danny Nose being around my program, but <laughs> you could do worse than Joe Moorhead, and I think he operates yeah. really well as like a like a play caller schemey kind of guy. I don't I just don't think being a head coach is in the cards for him um at the D one level. Put him up in the booth, let him dial it up with a with a fun quarterback. I think that could be good. Um, How would you feel about Bill O'Brien calling the plays mm, for the Gators? Uh, I don't think I would love that. I mean, my my theory is he's going to get the boot from New England at the end of the year. Josh McDaniels is going to go back and be the OC for like the eleventh time. I mean, that and might Bill O'Brien's going to that could gonna that be could be true. Is Bill Belichick going to be? The coach in New England still next year because I don't know if he wants to be. Hmm. Do you guys see that footage of what appeared to be Bill Belichick leaving that uh that house, the short house, the Airbnb? Yeah, that was interesting footage. Um, did I tell you guys that uh, <laughs> I like? Well, I met Bill Belichick's girlfriend when I was at UVA. No, nope. So I was I was a student worker in the football program for three years. And I can't remember if this was during the summer I worked there or just during the normal school year. But one week there were all these like, you know, rumblings started across the building like, oh, Bill Belichick's girlfriend and his and her daughters are coming. And they had arranged a visit and a tour of the university for the the prospective college student daughters through the football program. So it was like she came in the office and everyone was like, oh, this is Bill Belichick's girlfriend. Oh, my gosh. And it was just like, okay, this is, you know. It's like a lady, right? Cool. Yeah. This is a human woman walking around with her daughter. Does she get a headset at the game? Does she have access yeah. to the All-22? Like, what's uh, what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be awesome if she did. Yeah. All right. Um, just hot seat watch. I think we still have Will Hall, Dave Aranda. Uh, Billy Napier, um, we might want to remove the question mark from the Billy Napier Memorial hot seat. Things are not going great. This has not been a, a banner week in Gainesville. It hasn't been a banner a couple of weeks, but um, there's they've been like three or four recruiting class defections in the last week. Two mm-hmm. guys tr- flipped to Georgia, which is never uh, a good sign um, for Florida. So uh, I think we're, we're, we're squarely in the kind of like one month out reshuffling of the deck uh, I think Texas A&M's recruiting class is going to attempt to get rated. I think Mississippi State's recruiting class is going to attempt to get rated. So I think you're going to have a UCLA. lot of UCLA, yeah, a lot of names 
maybe a, a changing hands here. And, you know, it, it's not all over. I think you still, as long as you still keep the quarterback and, um, and, and some of the line players, like it's not all is lost, but you're starting to run out of reasons to keep Billy Napier around. If he's not going to even be recruiting at like the sort of elite, elite level that, um, he needs to be to make things look better. So I'm just, I'm not making the case for him to not be the coach next year because I truly think that that would be like very detrimental to the long-term success of the program. But yeah. I, you know, also think that uh, I could see why you're losing some, losing some cachet. So, I mean, is what it is. I, I, I just like, for all the Florida fans out there that want to be like, he can't do it, he's an idiot, Sunbelt Billy, blah, blah, blah. They were getting every single one of these jokes off about Mike Norvell last year and the year before last. So I'm not saying that Florida's going to make the playoff next year because you keep Billy Napier around, but like Florida State looked like a bona fide clown show for like a year and a half, and then they got it together and like – People got they got the right people in the building. Uh, Norvell like implemented his culture and his system and everything, and it's it's gone like really well. So, you know, unfortunately, I think gone are the days where you're going to take over a program and you're going to win the national championship one year later, like Urban Meyer did. Um, I just don't think that's like that likely anymore. That's a tough precedent to follow, even when you're like the fourth coach after. Oh sure, and like it was Urban Meyer himself. I mean, like that was one of the things that was actually well covered in that Florida documentary was like the entitlement of the like yeah. general Florida fan, like based on Steve Spurrier's success, um, like not only do they demand that you win, but they demand that you win a certain way and that, that you feel a certain way about how you win. Like, you know, Urban Meyer's teams were loaded with NFL talent and were awesome, but like because they weren't dazzling with 50-point performances every week and, you know, weren't throwing it all over the yard, like it wasn't good enough. And that was that was like, half the problem for some of those teams was just like they, they, they were getting grief from their own fan base because they didn't look dominant enough while they were going 13 and 0 or 12 and 0. I mean, that's tough. That's really tough yeah. to overcome. So anyhow, I mean, I participate in, in this, so I, I get it, but I, um, yeah, it's just a curious situation. We'll see how it goes. If, if doomsday, it happens, the AD is getting fired to hundred percent. So, Time cool. to reset everything. I think that's probably right. He has, the AD, I believe, has had a tumultuous first couple of years anyways in various other sports. Am I remembering this right? There's been a couple mishandlings of some. some you could adults. categorize some mishandlings of some things. There was a women's basketball. Women's basketball situation. There was, maybe it was a yeah. baseball thing that happened. I believe I it was know. something else. I don't know if it was baseball um, or volleyball or something. But I And, like... I mean, he came over and fired Jim McElwain under mm-hmm. dubious circumstances and hired the only guy that he had ever worked with before Dan Mullen. Um, you know, probably yep. one of the only like high profile eighties uh, that had like a good opinion of like kind of, again, another historical weirdo, Dan Mullen, uh, a little bit of an unsavory character. Um, and it went well for a while, but looking back at that, like you can kind of see like, well, maybe that was a little bit of a lazy, uh, a lazy hire. And, allegedly Billy Napier was the only person that they interviewed for the job this time. And it's kind of like, all right, well, Scott, this one's on you, buddy. Okay. Let's see what happens. So, okay. We've talked about this a lot. Is there any other hot seat talk you want to get off Jordan, Jason? Mm, no. no, I've, 
I've disconnected most of the phone lines uh, with 540 area codes, so we're pretty much good. I, I'd like to keep Mac Brown on the hot seat, just just for getting this. I okay. would. Uh, I'd love it if he stayed another year. I think that'd be great. I think it'd be ideal for everybody involved. Yeah, I'm not opposed to him continuing to waste talent down there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Down there. <laughs> down there. Down there. Down yonder. Yeah. All right, let's get to some actual football games maybe that matter this weekend. Yeah. Um, we'll whip through these real quick. Your tasters, your teasers. Louisville at Miami. Miami getting a chance to play the role of spoiler. With yeah. Tyler Van Dyke getting called back into the fold. You know, there's going to be just all-time good body language in this game out of the, uh, out of the Miami um, skill players. So watch for that. Yeah. You want to play guess the line? It's at, where is it? It's at Miami, Louisville, yeah, Louisville, eight and a half, seven and a half. Yeah. <laughs> the line I am looking at on ESPN.com is Miami minus half a point. No way! Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, boys. <laughs> now, to be fair, that is newly <laughs> christened. That is newly christened odds by ESPN bet. So I have no yeah, idea if they match the rest relative. of the books. They're going to be relatively close. I wouldn't think they would be drastically different. So, But that was eye-opening to me, so I'm glad I wasn't alone. All right. Well, I'll put a pin in that one. Interesting. Anyways, not unlike, the, not unlike the pin I put in the UCF game. Yeah, I've got my – are they uh, – the, <laughs> the whatever this is, this stupid hard rock bet app that I have to use yeah. is you. You guys should see this. I should send you a picture of the icon. It's laughable, but um, is we uh, have a hard rock bet in Virginia, but it, okay. I think it's a little different than yeah. what you guys have. Yeah, Miami half a point. Yikes! Uh, is Louisville money line plus money, or is it like a minus one ten? They're minus one ten. Everything is yeah. minus one ten. Yeah. <laughs> Every, seriously, all six options are minus one ten. <laughs> so that's it. That tells you Vegas has got this one dialed. They they really they really know what's going on. So, um, all right, good 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 call there, Jason. Uh, Purdue is at Northwestern. We just mentioned this because Northwestern just getting high on their own supply. Maybe uh maybe a good maybe a bowl game. Just the good vibes to overcome all of the uh all the adversity that they faced this year. Uh, App State. The Mountaineers are coming to Harrisonburg, Jason. Yep. Are you stoked? It should be interesting. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to be fun. It's. Uh, I'm guessing we will break the attendance record at uh, St. Joker Field at Bridgeport Stadium. Um, what with Jason, have you uh, made your uh, the wheel route sign yet for game day? I I have not, but I um, oh. I will listen to ideas for how best to <laughs> to implement such a sign. Um, as long as we use the old logo that has our faces from seven years ago on it, that, yeah, that's it'll really be the, college, college age headshots and whatnot. Just, we're all, um, the last time that I actually the ex time last time I actually shaved and yes, formerly bloated, my my bloated fully shaved face was just it's great. <laughs> People love that. <laughs> you are welcome. Uh, anyways, uh, another difficult game. App State. Uh, they're six and four, but they've won their last three. Uh, oh. From what I from what I understand, they've gradually gotten people back from injury. Um, they had a they had a rough start to the year. I mean, they were three and four at one point. Um, Clearly, lost lost at ODU, lost to Coastal. Uh, lost to Wyoming, but they gave UNC everything they could handle down in Chapel Hill, which admittedly has 
some shine has been taken off of that. But um, it's a good team. Uh, JMU's favored by nine last I saw, which yep. uh, seems just enough that would make me nervous. Would I be able to put any uh, bullets on, on said game? Which I'm not. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, there's – there's a lot of people saying that, oh, man, they feel sorry for App State with the decision coming out tonight. Uh, at the same time, you know, it could, I won't say just as easily, but it could also go the other way and like, oh, that takes the wind out of some sails and that sort of thing. Uh, I would hope having a packed stadium will um, kind of ease those concerns. But, uh, yeah, it's there's no easy games left. Even we got to go down to Coastal for the last one. That's not easy, so... But I would love to see uh, see the Dukes finish off twelve and zero, and then go win a bowl game. That would be delightful. And you know, let's try to do it without getting any more injuries. We've lost both of our all conference offensive tackles and both of our all conference defensive ends, and I'm kind of tired of it. Let's football, man, it is the season. Yeah, football. Yeah. It's wild that we do this. So, all yeah. right, well, go Dukes, Jason. This is. Uh... This is harkening back to the days where you, you let me use your media pass to get into the App right. State game, and we synced up our arrival like uh, behind the stands at the perfect time. I For think legal a, reasons, I'll say that I used my media pass and you used my student ID. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. We well, I mean, whatever. It was on a lanyard, so I figured it was it was somebody's. It was home. you know, it was it wasn't quite as sloppy as the game that we snuck into no. actually at App State. The game in Boone oh. was a, a mess of a logistical. <laughs> Involved you accidentally screaming the wrong name at an usher, right? Uh, no, that was me. Um, no, um, I, I just, I just was asked what my name was, and all I had to say was the name on the ID, and I just announced yeah. my name was you Logan. Just said Logan. So, it was, yeah, and then I like, emphatically. She just let us in. She was a good sport. She was a good she was. sport. She laughed at us and let us go in. We had a delightful time watching. Monty Edwards destroy Western Carolina. That was before the uh, stadium got improved to there, so that was like old school oh, yeah. in the woods stadium, which was rad. Oh, yeah. So, um, very cool. Uh, Jason, is my is my smiling picture still on the wall in in the uh, JMU like yeah. on the, the mural? It's in the club. Yeah, <laughs> from the 2008 uh, JMU Upstate game. It's it's still in the club. Uh, such luminaries as yourself and Brent Layman and Daniel Bolts and whatnot. Heavy hitters. Yeah. Mm. So, anyways, this is I think this like this is a main rivalry game for JMU. It's pretty much App and ODU. Um, so, hopefully, we get up for it. Let's go to 11 and 0. That's right. All right. Duke is at UVA. Is What's the Riley Leonard situation, Jordan? Do we know? Does it uh, matter? I would assume he's out. The line is only like three or three and a half in okay. favor of Duke. Uh, this will be another Calandria experience. Musket has already been ruled out. Against uh, a super disruptive, pretty good defense. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. This could be a volatile afternoon. If they let Calandria run it, like a little bit more instead of just like only letting him run when he has to like escape the pocket, that would be a good that idea. Would be awesome. That would be a good idea. I'm just free tip for the, for, yeah. Dez, for Dez and the boys. Um, well, and it's, it's a tough spot. Cause like the offense is so much more effective when that is a threat, right. but he is also the only healthy game ready quarterback, right? Like sure. the, the third stringer that they bring in for quasi tush pushes uh, I don't know that he's thrown more than four passes on the season. So, yeah, you, you got to make it to the Commonwealth Cup with at least one quarterback. <laughs> I mean, that's 
That is people are saying that most that coaches is, will say that it helps is, to have a quarterback. Is the Commonwealth Cup on a Friday, the Friday again? No, it, it's returned to Saturday. Ah, that's rightful place. Sabado. All right. UNC is at Clemson. Again, this is another one that we maybe could have got excited about at various points this season and now just kind of it's a little bit of a wet fart of a game. I think North Carolina is still ranked, maybe. Um, barely Clemson is not, but you know, they might be receiving votes. So, uh, kind of, kind of could be like a bit of a, a swing game. I would wait. I would reckon that this is a big game for recruiting purposes for these two schools. I think you're right. And like from a proof of concept thing, I think Clemson has maybe turned a little bit of a corner. North Carolina seems to just kind of have like, they peaked in week five and then have just been holding on for dear life ever since. And, and that includes a couple of losses to Virginia and Georgia tech. And uh, yeah, so Clemson, and they should have got beat by Duke. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. Exactly. ACC refs, all that North Carolina state is at VPI. Just threw this one out there. This is just a, this is a pure uncut ACC matchup right here, baby. Yeah, it's going to be gnarly. A couple of teams that just you can really get behind from an extent. I mean, in some standpoint. ways, it's probably going to be like an appetizer for the Commonwealth Cup. It's you've true. Got, you've got Dr. Bob. You've got <laughs> Brennan Armstrong. It's like Diet UVA over there. Ugh, gross. Except they, they've won – somehow they've won seven games on the year. Right. Um, and uh, the nightcap, beautiful in, in Chile, Columbia, Missouri. The Gators on the road at number nine, Missouri. Like, I would like 11 and a half or more point underdogs uh, at Missouri. We'll see. Missouri plays some close games. Uh, Florida beat Missouri last year, kind of in like a real hammer fight of a game. Uh, Mizzou potentially could be coming in a little hot off of the uh, the Tennessee game last week so might have uh, might maybe see a little action on the Gators to cover um, a real batten down the hatches and only get beat by seven situation for the Gators uh, but yeah I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen with Florida's defense against the Missouri running attack that looked to be pretty fierce last week and um, I hope they've been eating their Wheaties this week at in the team room because getting plenty of sleep. Too, yes, that was key. That, that was key. That's a good point. Whoever it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, South Carolina. Did that's, you guys did, did you guys catch the clip of uh, of Coach Drink um, pouring a little salt in the wound with uh, Coach Heupel after the game yesterday last week? No. Like he no. like sought him out in the crowd to do the little handshake thing. It was like, "Hey Josh, hey Josh, we stand on business." And like, and, and then like shook his hand and just like rolled off. Like that's what he's. That was the only thing he said to him. And it was like, "Oh, interesting." Um, okay. Drinkwitz, Drinkwitz likes to get it. Likes to likes to get in that a little bit. So he's a, he's a little sassy from time to time. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's the visor. The visor gives <laughs> gives you the gives visor you and the Bama bangs are a are a <laughs> yeah. feisty combination. And the, and the sort of beans sort of just general aura, you know, just yeah. it's very sassy. So, all right, Jordan, take us to Pickville. We're still to rolling Pickville here. Pickville we go. Uh, five games on the slate. Honestly, like, it was tough picking a fifth. Um, we've got four ranked, unranked. The rest of the board is kind of stinky this week. And That's yes, true. I think, Which means it's going to get wild as all hell. I'll also point out, if you'd like to correct the spreadsheet, you did put these picks in week 13. Yes. I would not like to do that quite Fair yet. enough. Uh, understandable. Um, 
I'm laser focused on I get it. navigating through Pixel I get it. right now. We can talk about adjustments after the show. Uh, <laughs> right. Two thirty p.m. We're gonna start things off. So if you wanna if you wanna go get a boozy brunch maybe before Ooh, you yeah. land in Pickville, be my guest. <laughs> uh, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, we are gonna start with a surprising candidate, uh, the Pac-12. Yeah, I was gonna, somebody, we need one of our intrepid listeners, possibly a data expert to see if this is the first time we've ever started with a Saturday Pac-12 game. It's certainly possible. Um, Did we not start with that 9 a.m. kicked off USC game earlier this year? We we can go back through the. Archives. It doesn't matter. This is that's a that I that was a real dead fish of a thing to lob into the conversation. I apologize. That's just not not that was not okay. that was not helpful. Everybody just looked at me. Yeah, all right. You, just, you froze you froze the improv <laughs> class, Logan. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, all this to say, Utah is at Arizona, yep. and the Wildcats are favored by a point. Yeah, this was I, gets to do the honors. This was eye-opening. I will take, I believe, from what I can see, Utah opened as the one-point favorite, and the line has shifted. So it gives me pause because it makes me feel like people know something that I don't. So but, uh, uh, I don't know what to do. Uh, I'm going to pick Utah. I, I still think Utah is very good. Um, I think they've kind of, with the exception of Oregon, they've – gotten the offense going a little bit the last month. Uh, admittedly, it's against some pretty suspect defenses, but um, I don't know. It's not like Arizona's putting the clamps on some stud offenses. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, Utah's lost two of their last three. I don't think they like that. I think they're too good of a team to do that uh, and continue doing that. So I am going to steal that point and take Utah. All right. Uh I will also take Utah. Um, I, I don't want to discredit Arizona here. They're a fun team to watch. Um, they've got a they've got a quarterback that is exciting. Does some flashy, uh, fran- frantic, frenetic things with the football. He he can throw a seed too. Uh, he he picked apart USC again. Take that with a, a block of salt. But uh, he was throwing lasers out there. I will take Utah though. The early start team or start time to me favors uh, a defense approach, and I think Utah's defense travels as well. Um, and I don't think the early start time phases a guy who grew up farming pigs at quarterback. So That's right. he's used to early mornings. Got farmer hours. Grew up farming pigs. I love, love the term farming. Um, yeah, I'll also take Utah. Like you guys have said all of the things, but their offense appears to have turned it around. They're still salty on defense. And I, I mean, like Arizona is good, but I don't know that they're like good enough to take it to Utah for four quarters. So the fact that, Getting a point too is is nice. So yeah. it feels it feels like these two teams are on different tiers of the Pac-12. Now, when it's seventeen to nothing at the end of the first quarter, and we're all texting yeah. each other at one right. thirty p.m., going, "What was that?" You know, we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. That's why they play the game. Exactly. Second game, three thirty p.m., a comfy spot for the SEC. This is Georgia at Tennessee. Uh, a little less luster on this matchup given the way Tennessee performed last week, but they are still ranked. Uh, Georgia favored by 10 and a half. 
Some books are going to have Georgia favored by 10, but the majority of lines that I saw were 10 and a half. So we're going to play the hook, and I'm going to take Georgia. Um, they're simply better than Tennessee. I, I don't like how they have performed against the spread across the entire body of the season to this point. I think they are a more, um, more of a wagon to bet on when they are at home in in kind of premium matchups. So being on the road concerns me a little bit as well. But I think as we near the end of the season, Kirby wants his guys to continue progressing, continue uh, trying to find the peak performance. So yeah, I don't think this is like, okay, we'll lay off the gas a, a week and try and crank it back up. And so I think this is kind of like, okay, let's get up and go time for Georgia to get ready for the postseason. What was Georgia favored last week against Ole Miss? Like, was it 14 and a half? Or was it also it was like 11? 11. 11. Yeah, I mean, this seems to be too much respect to Tennessee in my mind. Like, I think Ole Miss is better than Tennessee. But it was a home game for Georgia last week, too. So, yeah, I mean. Well, the good news is it's your turn to pick, so you can decide. That's why I'm talking. Good. All right. I'd like George, I'd like to take the Bulldogs uh, also again. Um, very interested in the Georgia first half spread again. <laughs> on this one. I might have to take a gander at that. That felt like stealing money last week, just, F, just FYI. Um, but, yeah, I think yeah. Georgia's offense has like, been quietly good and in very different ways than last year's Georgia's offense was. Like, I don't think it's as brutally – efficient um and you know but i i think that uh their quarterback's better and they push the ball down the field a little bit better and it seems like the running backs are coming on they just their offensive line is is getting healthy at the right time um you know you do hate to see it but they are uh truly excellent and tennessee i think is going to be reeling a little bit i don't know that i trust the hypo um thing i think last year's tennessee team was the best chance and I think George is going to give it to him. So he just doesn't seem like a very he doesn't seem like a very inspiring character, and especially when like the team is um, reeling reeling a bit. Yeah, like I don't necessarily. That wasn't me laughing because I agree with you. It was because like yeah, that's the best way to describe it. Just his general hypeness doesn't. You see, like Josh Heupel just bursting into the room and you know just demanding everybody's attention. No, he doesn't have the look of a leader of men. That Clearly. is very well said. Yeah. Uh, I am going to really put the consensus uh, yeah. at risk and Let's take go. the Bulldogs as well. I think I agree with everything Jordan said of like, I think we're coming down the stretch now and you're going to see it from truly great teams as they turn it on and just start putting people under the turf. Um, and obviously Georgia would be in that category, I think. So give me the dwags. All right, game number three. Uh, this was, you know, the one I had, I had to fill fill the box with. Yeah, this is um, the, this is a true sicko. Today. And I figured we haven't we haven't really focused the spotlight in Pickville on Iowa this year yet. So um, I tinkered with the idea of not doing the spread and doing the total instead, giving the Iowa ness <laughs> of this game. Um, but there are rules in Pickville. These are against the spread picks. Yeah. So we will be considering we are a nation Iowa of walls. <laughs> minus three. 
Iowa minus three. I love it. Give me Iowa. Illinois has been terrible. Um, and their defense has been not very good. So guys, did you see Spencer Petras as is hitting the transfer portal? Yeah, I did see that. Oh, wow. What possibly could the market for Spencer Petras be? The the guy who is NC so State, bad. Maybe they're going to be looking for a quarterback. <laughs> he has the spirit of an NC State quarterback. That's for sure. Um, I mean, he's not even better than Deacon Hill to get some to get a little, little scratch here for the Hawkeyes. I mean, that's not good. The dude played. Didn't he play for them for like two years and potentially play in like the Rose Bowl or something? I can remember hearing Gus Johnson scream his name. He <laughs> tries. <laughs> yeah. Sear it into your brain. <laughs> so, oh, how the mighty have fallen. I love Iowa here. Home game. Uh, Got to be senior night. Send the Ferences out with a big W. Like 17 to 11. Just disgusting. A, lot of a, points. a runaway victory. 28. 28 total points, though. Oh, that's a lot of points for Illinois. Eleven. That's that's the over. The over under is thirty and a half. So, which is also a lot of points for an Iowa contest. I uh, I kind of want to take Illinois. I know they can at least pass the ball around a little bit, um, and I believe Iowa chucked it around last week. Yeah, Iowa's stud corner just went down for the season, which sucks. Um, so I I really want to take Illinois because it seems like something that you know eyeballs emoji, Uh, but. Yeah, I can't trust I can't trust them that much. And Iowa still does probably have one of the, you know, uh six to eight best defenses in the country, if we're being honest. Um, yes. All around. And so I will take the Hawkeyes. I'm so excited about it. All right. I'll break the streak. I'll Thank take God. Thank you. Um Bert Bert and the boys. Yeah, this, like Iowa feels like an opponent that Bert is comfortable with. And almost like well, Bert, Bert went to Iowa, right? So he could be auditioning for the job. He could be performing for the Hawkeye Club or yes. whatever they have out there. Um, the Corn Dogs or whatever they call themselves. Yeah, I don't. I this just feels like a similar to how Bronco Mendenhall was passionate about defending the option. <laughs> this is one of the most ridiculous ongoing things that gets said every year that I can't believe a coach said like earnestly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I half mentioned that just to keep it in the canon of, <laughs> of sports media. Right. But uh, this feels like a Bert is passionate about playing against an Iowa defense. So sure. I, I'm going to take Illinois here. Okay. I'm glad somebody did. Uh, we move to the 7 o'clock p.m. slot for a battle of one of our flyover states. Kansas State is at Kansas, and the team in purple, the Fighting Clemens, are favored by eight clean points. And Jason gets to begin. I really want to take Kansas. What is the? Do we have an understanding of the injury situation at quarterback for Kansas? Is Bean also hurt and out? Bean did get hurt last weekend. I don't know what his prognostications are right now. Um, hmm. Jason Bean. He apparently took a bunch of reps at practice today. Oh, (laughs) he's back. Uh, I really want to take Kansas, but I don't think I can. Um, I, I wish that line was this nice. 
or can just stay die. Um, anyways, that was awful. I'm going to take Kansas State. Let's move on. Um, yeah, I, I think I love Kansas's pre-snap motion and all their, their fun stuff, and I bet this is going to be a super fun game to watch, but I think Kansas State is just built to win games later in the year. Um, they kind of just throw themselves around and, and shove people around and stuff like that, and I'm not sure Kansas is built to hold up in a game like that, especially with question marks under center health-wise. So I am going to take the Wildcats. All right. I will take Kansas here. This is pretty much a yes, Jason Bean will play bet. Uh, and I'm okay if if I lose that because uh, I'll have an awesome excuse. Um, I think can like, I don't know that Kansas wins this game, but I think they keep it within seven. Like this feels like a, if Bean plays, they can stay in touch towards the end of the game. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Jordan. I'm going to take Kansas as well. Kansas State seems to play close games. Um, they are good, and they do find ways to win, but it does seem like they are in some dogfights with – I mean, they were in a dogfight with Missouri earlier this year, and they were in one similarly with Texas after scrapping back into that one. And, you know, I, I think to think that Kansas State is just going to run away and hide in this game to me is not something that I would want to bet on f- for the away team. But should be a fun game. Hopefully the Bean Man gets to play and play the whole game. Um, cause it could get a little ugly if that is not the case. Yes, I agree. All right. Final game of the night, 7 30 PM. We take it back to the conference of champions. That is the PAC 12 this week. Uh, we've got our sweet Huskies in Washington traveling to Corvallis to take on DJU and the Oregon state Beavers. This is a conflicting matchup for me personally as a longtime DJU uh, evangelist right, yeah. and someone who before the season even started mentioned Michael Penix Jr. as a dark horse Heisman candidate. I am going to take Oregon State here. They are favored by two and a half. Um, that jumped out to me as a, as a surprising number and I'm not going to try and be smarter than it. So I will take the Beavers. Uh, partly an emotional hedge, but the concerns I have with Washington's defense are not insignificant, and they're coming towards the tail end of a tough stretch of games, and that's got to wear on you to a degree. Yeah. Washington has been doing the thing where it's like they got a loss. They got a loss in them. Uh, But... Not this weekend. No, I, 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 I'll take. <laughs> yeah, I'll take. I'll take Washington. I think they're the more talented team, more good. Uh, but I don't know that, like, on an individual basis, that you would probably take too many of Oregon State's players over Washington's. Um, maybe on defense, we could have a different conversation. But uh, if if the game is going to be a uh, track meet, I think that favors Washington. And if their defense plays better than usual, I think that also just favors Washington because I think their offense is so excellent in comparison. So uh, I'm just going to kind of like play the odds here and get a couple points. So I'll go Washington. I really want to take Oregon State. Um, They hammered Stanford. They've actually played pretty well the last few weeks. Um, Helped Colorado down in their house and – 
that sort of thing. But uh, I think Washington has the best player on the field, and in two with two pretty evenly matched teams in terms of offense defense stuff. I am going to rely on that and take the Huskies. And not, Sweet. Uh, I'm I'm going to not overthink it in that direction. So either Jordan and I will not overthink it correctly, and the other one of us will should have overthought it more. Is what I'm trying yeah. to say. I am going to take the over sixty-three and a yes. half. I'm going emphatically. Over. Yes, they might break. They might clear that with a quarter left. What is that week? So that's week twelve. We're done with week twelve. Or week 13, depending on which... 12, 13. If you start at week zero and they make that week one, then maybe it's week 13. Who's to say? No, he's just saying it because he put it in the wrong part of the spreadsheet. It's just easier for me to view in all of my tabs (laughs) at the moment. Tabbing it. All right. Monitor space at a premium. Thank you for joining us this evening on the Wheel Route Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Wheel Route Podcast. You can send us emails, wheelroutepodcast at gmail.com got questions or takes you want to get off the wheelroute.com is website you can go there you can see the pick spreadsheet um where you will see these games featured prominently in week 13 uh just fyi um (laughs) who's to say depending on when you look at it (laughs) yeah right and um yeah you can also stream the show there and uh maybe see some other fun stuff there until we meet again thank you guys for joining us on this journey we love you Go Gators. Go Hoos. Go Dukes.